morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's another edition of the Jones Report. I'm Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Ari Alexander from KPRC in Houston, Texas. He is at the NFL Draft in Kansas City. We'll get his insights and uh, see what he has to say about not only the draft, but also the uh, Houston Rockets situation as Kipe uh, Udoka is going to be their new head coach and also much anticipation if they will end up with uh, Victor uh, Wimanyama when it's all said and done. So plenty to discuss when R.A. joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Post Football Effects presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as well as our Tom Fullery Story of the Week coming up at the end of today's show. As always, Thomas Bridges is here with me. Tom, um, like the NCAA tournament, I survived and advanced Talladega. Uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of pictures and videos that I can't tell the folks out there what happened. I have to leave to the imagination of what Talladega was like. And in all honesty, I think that's okay. There's some things better left just to the imagination here. <laughs> yeah, I saw the pictures. I got the receipts, but I won't spill your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh what happens in dega stays in dega is talladega the vegas of the south it's the redneck vegas without the gambling um well, it could have been some gambling but not illegally or it have been illegal yeah tom you you facetimed me and i think you called me at one point in the middle of the night on saturday maybe a little concerned for my well-being or something yeah, I had to make sure you weren't in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I thought you were I thought you were somewhere downtown on like a bar strip. You were in the infield. Yeah, there is no town there. See, I was thinking there was like some sort of a strip set up, but I wonder if they have like a jail under the racetrack. Uh maybe. It's that like, racetrack is an old Air Force base. Oh yeah, they definitely do. Then yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely a, a a holding cell under there. I'm just glad you didn't get to see the inside of it. Right. Uh, now we got to get you to Talladega next year and get you. Oh, we're going. Year. Oh, we're for sure going. We're getting an RV. Like Todd in the past has talked about going to Daytona. I don't even think he cares about Daytona anymore. I think he's all in on Dega. No, it's got to yeah, it's going to be Dega from here on out. Yeah, Dega's going to happen next year. Tom's going to experience it. And, you know, I'll say this. There, there, there is a way for women to earn free drinks there. Um, lots of them, as much as drinks. They can drink for free as much as they want for a certain way. Uh, there at Talladega. Also, uh, there is a consensus, Tom, among the Talladega folks in the infield. That Kyle Bush is a douchebag, but yet at the end of the day, he was one the holding holding the trophy. You you can call me whatever you want, but as long as I win, you know, who who cares, right? Oh yeah, you know, when he won, he he knows he knows the hate he gets at Dega. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that was sweet for him. Right. Uh, revenge is uh so good, so nice. Uh Tom, it is draft week. And I got to tell you, I'll be honest, it 
pains me that I'm not in Kansas City this week and not at the draft. Um, you, I mean, you know that that city. I've spent a lot of time there. Pretty much like a second home, you know. I mean, I, I love KC so much. I'm so happy for the folks there that get to have this draft and the scene that it's going to be on Thursday night and all weekend long there, Union Station and and the World War One Museum and and all that. I mean, this is as good as it gets. You know, Kansas City is going to have some World Cup games here in 2026, and they've had the AFC Championship game four years in a row. But as a pure event. This is uh, this is the pinnacle. I, I, I'm I'm excited to see what Kansas City can put together. We've seen Vegas and Nashville and some of these other places put on a show. Uh, there's no reason to think why Kansas City won't be any different here. Oh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be special. Um, I mean, it's it's you know they're Super Bowl champs. You know, it's it'd be different if they were getting the first pick in the draft. It would even be special then, obviously. But um, you know, they're gonna get this draft and it's uh, I think it's one of where was the NFL draft last year it was in Vegas okay and so in the year before that year before that was the uh the zoom draft right right and so the year prior before the zoom draft was uh Cleveland okay so they've had it you know it's it's and kind of before that right Right, and then I guess prior to that, it's always been a Radio City Music Hall. Uh, yeah, and they're never going to do that again, probably. It's it's always going to be on this rotation now. Right, that's see, that'll be great. Um, so I, you know, I think it, from what I can see of the just the infrastructure built up or just what they've got kind of set up for it, I think it's going to be great. Um, you know, Kansas City obviously won the Super Bowl, and then they get kind of a second little party here with the NFL draft. I think that'll be great. Jones, you talked about like Kansas City's the second home. Uh, a little tidbit here for you. I don't know if you know, but there is the, oh, I guess it's the U.S. Um, I don't know, something U.S. Soccer Cup or something like that. Or Sporting Case Open Cup. Yeah, the U.S. Open Cup. They played Tulsa athletic club yesterday and Tuesday night and sporting KC did win obviously three to zero against Tulsa athletic club, but three nil three. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Three nil. Thank you for the three zero for the Americans here. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so they, they won by a field goal. Um, so but I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, I think Kansas City, I think it'll be a great time. Um, I know a few people that are going to be in attendance. Um, just going up, they're all Chief fans. Um, but, you know, I, I I am saddened that you will not be in attendance because I know you would love to be there. I mean, um, people know. The chickens. Yeah. People know I love to travel and go to sporting events and everything and – and not only the fact that it's in Kansas City, but just the fact that I'm not at an event like this. Like, it, I feel so out of place that I'm gonna that I'm gonna be stuck in studio. But nonetheless, we'll have a great time. Uh, Seahawks today. We're gonna be live for the first round uh, on the channel, and it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be electric for Seattle's two picks at five and twenty. 
And then uh, our main channel in Chat Sports, we're going to be live for every single pick of the draft as all of our hosts are going to rotate in for all three days. And uh, so still going to have a good time, but damn, I, I wish I was in Kansas City because it is going to be uh, awesome to see what that scene is like and just continue the celebration for the Chiefs uh, after their Super Bowl victory. So uh, that'll be awesome. And and uh, and all that, all that good barbecue, I mean, like, Tom, I mean, you, you and I, we love the Kansas City barbecue. Don't get me wrong, but I, I feel like an easy drinking game could be how many times on TV do they reference Kansas City barbecue? Because uh, I think you could probably be pretty drunk uh, by Thursday night just on that alone. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, kind of what all they reference for Kansas City. I, I don't know what would be a better drinking game, the barbecue or just referencing Kansas City winning the Super Bowl. I don't know what would get you drunker quicker. Right. I mean, as long as they don't show Jackson and Brittany. Like, keep them away. Oh, Jackson's announcing the 10th the pick of the draft. <laughs> he's doing a TikTok dance as he's announcing the pick. Yeah, that's unofficial. He's just going to run up on the stage and announce before the 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 other, whoever gets to announce it. Hopefully, he doesn't get arrested this time. <laughs> he might. I would be shocked. <laughs> oh man! Uh, and then uh, you know the, they're they're going to do the second round from the uh, the brand new Taco Bell Cantina. Oh, is that is did they build one there? Yeah, yeah the, since I was last there, they, they now opened a Taco Bell Cantina, which I think is just brilliant. Like, you can get drunk while eating cheap tacos. Who says no? Full on with the liquor and everything, huh? Yes. I mean, who says no? Yeah, I definitely don't. <laughs> right? I'd get down with that. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. We're going to go in, in depth in the draft uh, with Ari and with, with Bo when they join us coming up later, but... Tom, I just want to get your initial thoughts and and kind of set the scene of sorts for the rest of the show when it comes to draft here, besides just the scene and the atmosphere in Kansas City here. I mean, I, I'm looking at this draft, and, you know, I think we're all pretty certain Bryce Young's going to Carolina at two. But then you get that number two pick, and we've heard the rumblings that, you know, Houston may have soured on C.J. Stroud, but they still need a quarterback. Are they still going to go towards C.J. Stroud? Or do they potentially trade down? I mean, this seemed like a foregone conclusion two weeks ago that at least three, maybe four quarterbacks were going to go in the top five. And now with, with Houston feeling the way they do, and, and they very well could be throwing a smoke screen out there and still playing to draft C.J. Stroud. But just with the great unknown at two, I mean, what they decide to do is going to determine the entire direction of this draft. Because if they go defense, and all of a sudden, maybe the quarterbacks start to slip, maybe teams start to trade up, um, you know, if if whatever it may be here, I mean, I know that Carolina's got the number one pick, but it feels like the draft really starts with Houston at two. Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, I did see, though, that the draft odds have jumped up for Will Levis at one from – I guess a few days ago they were plus 4,000 odds and they jumped up to 400. Yeah. Uh, 
And so I don't know if that's trying to just. But I draw... guess he's telling people in his inner circle he's going to be the number one pick. I mean that that would be a Houston Texans thing to do, um, because I think that would be the wrong move. Um, but you know what? More power to them uh, if they want to decide to go that way. But you know, things like I said, like you, well, you mentioned too, things could get sh- you know a little shaken up here. Um, and you know, they're really, like you said, I, I think no matter what Houston drafts a quarterback at one. And then after that, depending, um, you know, things could get a little bit of wily if, if, uh, Carolina wants to go a different route or, you know, if, if one quarterback gets taken that, you know, does not, you know, I don't know, maybe like, well, you know, you, I seen your mock draft, you got Seattle taking Jalen Carter at five, what if one of the quarterbacks slips? Well, and, and that's one thing that uh, I was talking to Bo about, and you guys will hear more from Bo later on in the show, Tom, is you talk about how this draft could change and, you know, how Houston does this. Um, I'm not a fan of Richardson or Levis. I would not be excited for Seattle if they ended up with one of those guys. But, I mean, if C.J. Stratton is still hanging around and is available at five, I don't think you have a choice. I think you have to take C.J. Stroud. And you'd be thrilled because you just found your franchise quarterback. You go with Geno another year, then you hand things over to C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, that that that's what I mean by this. Like, if, if Houston goes quarterback, then, okay, you're taking a defensive player. If C.J. Stroud's still around, then, you know, I mean, you, you'll take him anyway. I mean, there, there's so much of this. Houston's got all the control here of – you know, just how this whole thing is going to shake out. And and I'm looking at the Houston Texans, Tom, and and it's two ways, right? I mean, they're likely going to be bad again next year. Let's just be honest. You know, they they have improved, but more than likely Houston's going to stink again. Uh, And so with that, maybe Houston says to themselves, okay, we wait till next year and we go get Caleb Williams or Drake May, and both those guys are better than any quarterback in this class. Or there could be the mindset of, you know, it's not a guarantee that either one of those guys are going to be available where we pick. Might as well take C.J. Stroud now. Like, I, I think that you look at C.J. Stroud, Tom, and this is a guy that I think he could be a franchise quarterback. He's, I think he's good enough, but I don't know if he's ever going to be great. I think he's going to be good, but I don't know if he's ever going to be great. And if you're the Houston Texans, you might be saying to yourself, you know what, why are we settling for this? Let's go build our team, wait till next year to find that that great quarterback. I mean, yeah, they definitely could. And, and you know, I think that – I think it's funny, too, um, you know, when you look at the NBA this year, um, you know, they everyone was kind of tanking for generational talent and Victor Wimbenyama. And then now you look at next year's NFL. I think it's. I think a lot of the teams that know they're not going to make the playoffs are like, well, why don't we just lose every game and, uh, you know, get a shot at Caleb Williams? I'm not. A, I'm not as a big believer in Drake May. Um, I do think he'll be pretty solid, but I, I'm not as. I you know I'm not a crazy believer in him, but. Uh, from what we've seen from Kayla Williams, he's going to be incredible. I don't think there's any bustability to him. Um, so, you know, whatever team gets him, um, 
is going to be very lucky to have him, whether that be maybe the Texans, you know, maybe even he could go to the, you know, the QB graveyard in the sky that is the Cleveland Browns. I hope not. Um, but, you know, could be there too, or it could be any, you know, there's a numerous places that he could go. Um, so, you know, there's, there's different, you know, they, they have, they've been dealt their hand, the Texans, and there's a couple of different ways to play this. So that'll be one of the things to watch out for, um, tonight as you're hearing this, um, and, and, you know, could determine a lot of different, you know, um, plays on the, on the checkerboard of the chessboard in terms of how other teams go about, uh, of, you know, getting their future stars. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, a lot to unfold, uh, on that front, uh, with the draft. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to see some current players traded as well. Uh, while the draft is going on here, um, it's uh, it's going to be wild. I think what what happens over these next few days. And one thing, one more thing on the draft, and then we'll kind of shift gears towards the NBA playoffs. Tom, uh, I'll put it at this: the wide receiver position is another thing that I'm interested in because you heard Keegan Renault. He was kind of he kind of said it before everyone else did. He was on our show, you know, about what was it, you know, three weeks ago. And Keegan came on and he said, look, there's only one true number one wide receiver in this draft, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. And the other receivers, I mean, there's some good receivers, uh, plenty of good receivers, but they're all wide receiver two types. Well, you don't use a first-round pick to try to find a number two receiver. That's that's where your number one receivers are for. It's for first-round picks. And so, with that being said, uh, he kind of said that, and then shortly after that, everyone else kind of felt the same way, and the board started to shift. We saw that JSN was the established number one. Everyone has him as the number one receiver pretty much. And, you know, I think if teams have done their homework, I would guess that there might be two or three wide receivers picked in the first round Uh comparably speaking to when the draft process started where we were talking about four or five when it was all said and done. I, I would say that, you know, the give the benefit of the doubt to the scouts and GMs that they've done their homework to realize that these wide receivers in this draft, there's not a whole lot of stars beyond Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think you're going to see plenty of guys, good talent guys like your Marvin Mims, Josh Downs of the world, those guys, second, third round guys. Uh, but there's no business in taking some of these others within the first round if you, if you don't have to, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's going to be a very telltale sign is how many receivers go in that first round. If they've done their homework, there shouldn't be too many taking that first round. Right. No, I agree with you. I think, you know, you mentioned the wide receivers here. Um, and that's a storyline to somewhat watch. I'm very interested in the Bijan Robinson storyline. And is he going to get taken up? Is he going to get eaten up in the first round? I would hope top so. top ten, I think. Yeah, and he would be the first running back taken in the first round in how many years? Uh, since Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I believe. 
which was at the end of the first round, what, in 2019? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he he should, uh, you know, if I'd be shocked how if, – if he falls out of the top 10 or even out of the top 15, I'll be very shocked. And we're going to talk more with Ari about him because Ari's known him a long time and you know, covered him in high school and all this. Uh, this is just one of those deals, Tom, with, with, with Bijan, what I find fascinating is he's a generational talent. I think we all agree. And he's got the opportunity to be the best running back in the national football league. Um, with all that said though, you know, a, as good as Bijan is, it's not the talent level. He, he still has the same issue potentially that any other running back does is that the wear and tear, the shelf life. I mean, do you get and we don't know the answer to this question. Do you get Bijan Robinson playing at a high level for five years, or do you get him for 10 years? And, and that's the question I think that's on the minds of some of these teams where they pick. Do I want to use a top 10 pick on a running back that's going to get me four or five years? Or is it do I not or, or do I think that's not going to happen? Uh, and do I pass on him and let him go top 15 and top 20 to another team instead? I mean, I mean, it's just so rare now that guys give you even the best of the best of running backs, uh, fall off when, when they, when they hit a wall, they fall off hard. I mean, we, we've seen it most recently with Ezekiel Elliott, Tom, it wasn't what two, three years ago that he was maybe the best player in the entire national football league. And, Zeke looks slow and, you know, can barely run for first downs anymore. I mean, Zeke, Zeke's lost a couple steps and he's only in what is seventh, eighth year of the league. I mean, that's a, that's a tough decision. These teams have to make is because you just don't know how long these guys can go. I mean, yeah, he did. I feel like they did run him quite a bit though. I mean, they was feed, you know, feed Zeke. So I get that, but I I feel like he, you know, I feel like the Cowboys would have to be happy with that because the years that he did provide, he was arguably the best back in the league. And then, you know, um, they, they kind of lucked in to their next adventure. Um, and so that seems to work out. But, you know, you look at people like Derrick Henry. Um, he's been in the league for almost just as long. Um, and he has literally been the Titans heart and soul um, and still seems like he has some good years, you know, from him. So now is, is Bijan Robinson, the bruiser back that Derrick Henry is no, which is even more surprising that Derrick Henry has been good this long because he is that bruising type of back that doesn't maybe necessarily last that long, but I, you know, depending on what team he ends up falling to, um, you know, if you have a plan in place to be competitive, um, you know, Bijan Robinson's one of those players that just accentuates that offense if if he's your last key missing piece on offense. So yeah. I, I I think he's going to be great no matter what team takes him, whether that be for five years, ten years. Um, you know, you would hope it'd be, you know, if you're going to draft him in the first round, you'd hope it'd be for longer than five. Right. And, and- – the other thing is that you hope that it's not a Leonard Fournette deal because Leonard Fournette was taken top three and was thought to be a generational back, and he was good. 
but I mean, he wasn't great. Um, and so it's, it's twofold, you know, like if I'm going to use the top 10 pick on a running back, he better be good for a long time and, and not just good, but great. And that's what Bijan's got ahead of him. I'm rooting on Bijan. I like him a lot. I love the way he plays. I hope he has a great career, but uh, it's going to be fascinating. The great unknown with Bijan where ultimately how that shapes out. Uh, Tom, let's shift gears now. Uh, talk NBA playoffs here. Um, and uh, as we're recording this, the uh, Bucks leading the Heat at uh, at halftime. If you're listening, you already know the outcome. But uh, Tom, what what on earth happened with with the Bucks here? I mean, I, I know Giannis had the injury and everything, but I mean, I thought the team around him would have been good enough to, to still, you know carry themselves, look competitive, you know, fight fight without their superstar here. What the hell happened to Milwaukee? I mean, Jimmy Butler happened to Milwaukee is what happened. I mean, Monday drops 56. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't, I, I don't know what happened to Milwaukee other than the Jimmy Butler. Um, but, you know, it's pretty crazy. We did talk about this, you know, Miami Heat team that they can get hot at the right time. They've recently made the finals not too long ago. We've talked about how great of a coach Eric Spolstra is. I did not think they would be up 3-1 at the time that we're recording this. And, you know, and maybe in an hour, maybe they are, or maybe an hour and a half, two hours, maybe they've beat the Bucks, or maybe we're looking at a game six. Um, I'm not sure yet. Um, because anything can happen, obviously. Um, they definitely did not expect this. I thought, you know, if it would have been more like 2-2 at this point, I'd have been like, okay, well, good for the Heat. Um, they're drawing it out a little bit, but damn. Um, definitely did not expect this for Milwaukee. I mean, I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, the 8-1 upsets have been so rare. Um you know, you got to go back to what, like the Warriors doing it to the Mavs under Don Nelson, um, the uh, the Sixers when when Derrick Rose got hurt, wasn't that a one eight matchup? Uh, could have been. Let's take a look. But I mean, this doesn't happen. And the biggest complaint in the NBA in the last decade has been the lack of parity. Um, sure, Giannis has had the injury. I get that. But this is still, I think, a statement here. Uh, you want a parody, you got it here. Okay, here you go. Um, let's, let's take a look. There was an article released the other day. Um, 99 playoffs, the number eight Knicks also threw an expected competition in the works when they defeated the number one Heat in the 99 playoffs. Um you got the Nuggets over the Supersonics in 94. This is not the most recent, whatever this article is. I mean, it was released the other day, but they, and they had mentioned. Um, Remember, the Heat lost their playing game to the uh, Hawks as well. Right, right. They got bumped down to the eighth seed. I mean, yeah, it's uh, so let's see. Oh, I, I shouldn't be reminded of this. The number eight Grizzlies beat the number one Spurs in 2011. Yuck. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Isn't that funny, you son of a bitch? Um, let's see. That looks like the last time it happened was 12 years ago. And, and what was the story in that series? Was there a big injury in that series or did the Spurs just choke? Uh, Ginobili got hurt. That's he like broke, he broke his elbow or some something like that, and that was the old that was the peak of the grit and grind Grizzlies. But speaking of the Grizzlies, here's a great transition. The Grizzlies beat the Lakers tonight on Wednesday night, as you're hearing this, and now that series is six games. It goes back to what? I guess it goes back to L.A. for Game Six. Um, Jones, that's another one, you know. Um, Grizzlies were a great team, still are a great team. They ended up beating the Lakers pretty handily tonight. And Jaw's uh, back. That Jaw's back, right. But, um, you know, they essentially are going to have to win what would be three straight. Um, you know, now if they can win in L.A., um, come that game's probably going to be Friday or Saturday. Um, then maybe they have a shot, but Memphis hasn't been all that impressive. No. Um, <laughs> Jaw's going to have to be awesome. Um, I think he's capable. Um, but one thing that stood out to me, Tom, of the Lakers and getting beat as bad as they did there in game five, um, you know, LeBron, he played okay, not great. Uh, but Jared Vanderbilt, when you look at Memphis and, and their size and, you know, as aggressive they play on defense and everything, doesn't Jared Vanderbilt have to play well every night against this Memphis team? He didn't look good in game five. Yeah, I mean, he he, he shot three from four, only played 18 minutes, seven points, um, but definitely not. What he? I is. mean, him or Rui, one of the two, have to play well. And and I mean, Rui had nine points, but I mean, like one of them has to go off, have to play go off of sorts. Yeah, and then the the rest of that bench. I'm just looking at it now. There was a total of 18 points scored on the bench. Can't have that happen. You know, Austin Reeves played a game high 40 minutes for them. Went four for 13, scored 17 points. LeBron, five from 17, one from nine, from three for 15. Uh, you know, that definitely can't happen. Um, and, you know, for for Memphis, they had a great game. You had, you know, you, you got two 30-point games from Moran and Desmond Bain. Um and you know what? Honestly, not too much from the bench either. Actually, when I look at it, Memphis's bench also only scored 18 points. Right. Uh, but starters played well. You know, Dylan Brooks, again, shit to bed. Three from 15, two from 10 from three. Not a good look. He and LeBron don't like each other. <laughs> yeah, they played about like each other tonight. Um, but, you know, Memphis had the upper hand, obviously being at home. Um, both teams poorly shooting from three. Uh, you know what? It's if if Memphis can, I think this game goes seven. Yeah, this year, I think it goes seven. We deserve we deserve seven games. We deserve five more minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Your uh, your famous uh, 
Philadelphia. Yes, my, my old billboard in Oklahoma City. Ah, uh, yes. This uh, game deserves five more minutes. Yes. Uh, how about the uh, the Knicks getting it done against the Cavs? 4-1. Um, you know, that series, uh, you know, the, the Cavs were favored. You know, they were the higher seed. And, you know, I, I, I got to say this, Tom. Not only is it is it good for the NBA when – the Knicks are winning a game, you know, winning a series, which they haven't done in a long time. Um, the, the Knicks are relevant here. But go back to this offseason and the Donovan Mitchell trade stuff. All the talk was about him going to the Knicks and, you know, him pairing up with Jalen Brunson. And everyone thought that was going to happen and shocked the world when he ultimately ended up in Cleveland here. Um, granted, it's only the first year of Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland, but uh, doesn't it look like the Knicks kind of got the last laugh of beating Donovan Mitchell in the first round of the playoffs here and, and doing convincingly, you know, a gentleman sweep 4-1? Oh, they definitely did. And, you know, Julius Randle went in on the second quarter with an ankle injury. Um, I think he's going to be okay from what I've seen. But went out in the second quarter with an ankle injury. The Knicks still managed to win by 11. And – that was in Cleveland and got the job done tonight. Knicks look pretty good. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know if they're going to make the finals, but, you know, I'm seeing some crazier things happen, like the Heat right now only being down one to the Bucks. Um, you know, a third of the way through the third quarter. So, um, you know, anything can happen. Uh, I mean, I, I – like to root for Julius Randle. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And, and he's taking a lot of heat from New York Knicks fans. Oh, I mean, yeah. Oh, you know, and he was out with injury for a lot, um, you know, the past this year and past couple of years, kind of injury prone. And But he's taking a big step. Remember when he was on the freaking Lakers? Yeah. And he was like a, you know, garbage time player and now he's won an NBA all-star and um it is is a big reason or wrong with Jalen Brunson that they're in the position that they're in so uh, you know more power to the New York Knicks yeah yeah for sure uh Warriors Kings we said from the beginning top we thought it was the most interesting you know it was the best series in this first round as we're recording this uh that series is tied to two Warriors with a close lead over the Kings right now. But um, obviously game five, very important here. But, uh, you know, I, I would think that the Kings, a young team as inexperienced they are, if they were to lose tonight, tonight we're recording here, and go down 3-2, I don't see them coming back and winning the series. Golden no. State, though, if they go down 3-2, They've been there, done that before. I don't think it would shock anybody if Golden State found a way to come back and win that series after being down 3-2. I think I think tonight, as we're recording this, and obviously at the time you're listening to this, like Joan said before, you know the result. But just live reaction, I think it, for the Kings, it's a must-win tonight in, in, in looking to the future, knowing that you probably won't win game six and, and San Fran. Uh, and then that you'll have to win game seven at home and light the beam, hopefully, for, you know, to knock out the Warriors. So 
Um, close game, like you said. It's almost halftime. Uh, Warriors up by four as I read that live. But, um, I mean, I'm I personally biased here. I'm rooting for the Kings to win it all. Um, when you look at the Warriors, if they're to lose this series, um, what's that roster look like next year? Uh, I mean, even if they make it to the conference finals, I don't see any world where Draymond Green is back in, in, in San Francisco next year. No, I'd be shocked. Not, especially not after his antics this series. Right. I think they finally had enough of him. I think, th- I think we're looking at the Warriors about to make some wholesale changes. Yeah, this this is where uh this is where you find out how good of a coach Steve Kerr is. Right? Yeah, uh it's a very good point. Uh let's look at some other things that are going on here. Nuggets with the gentleman sweep of the uh, T Wolves. Uh they won on Tuesday night, one twelfth to one oh nine. Uh Tom, the uh the Nuggets uh took care of business, Joker and everything here. Um you know, they, they had the best record in the league this year, and they, they showed why against Minnesota. And the T-Wolves have been such a dumpster fire of an organization, you know, for so many years. This was the first time, Tom, in their franchise's history that they did not get swept in a seven-game series. What is that? You're saying this is the first time they haven't been swept? In a seven-game series. Remember, there was the old format that played five oh, games five. in the first round. Um, but this is the first time in a seven-game series format that we're not swept. Uh, that's pretty incredible. That means the last time – wow. I mean, that's – I guess they haven't been, obviously, in the playoffs. They've been in the playoffs just barely as many times as the fucking Kings have since that format's changed. So, I guess the last time that they were getting – not swept was probably KG when, and that was a long time ago. That right. Was 20 years. Um, yeah, dang, that's incredible. I didn't know that. Um, and Jamal Murray is looking like what he did before that injury. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's playing phenomenal. He's had several game highs. Uh, you know, the Nuggets, you know, Mike Malone. Um, he's he's got a lot to prove. Mike Malone, I think, has the most to prove out of anybody, just because his team has been his team has been good. And I know a couple of years ago when Jamal Murray like tore his ACL or whatever in the playoffs, that was unfortunate because that team was really good, but they needed Jamal Murray. Well, now they have a healthy, good-looking Jamal Murray. Um, and you know, watch out. All right. Yes, for it's a good point. Um, and then the uh, Clippers Sun series, Tom Clippers win that one, or the uh, Suns win that one four one, one thirty six one thirty win on Tuesday night. KD Devin Booker, uh, that team's starting to find their stride, and uh, you know Devin Booker just looked phenomenal uh, there that series. Yeah, it did. I think the other big story on the losing side is. Kawhi Leonard, torn meniscus. Yes. Uh, um, and is going to obviously have to have surgery. Granted, it's his off season now, but uh, if he does decide to go to Cancun, he'll go with a brace on his knee. Um, but bigger than that, he can't stay healthy. I mean, we're looking at maybe 
what could have been or yeah, I'd, I'd say at this point could have been top player, top 20 player of all time. Um, just injury riddled. I mean, we're looking at a at a lower key, slower role injury wise. Derrick Rose. Ooh, yeah. I mean, and and he's he's granted Derrick Rose no titles, but in Kawhi, he's got a Finals MVP, and he well, I guess maybe two Finals MVPs and two rings. Um, you know, but at the same time, we're looking at. At, at maybe a, a player that even, you know, meniscus, not that big of a deal, but he just can't stay, you know, can't stay healthy. And so for the Clippers, I don't know, you know, they made the trade and we, we talked about it when, however many years ago that was when it was Kawhi, Paul George of how this team should be winning a championship. Um, and rightfully so they, they should have made it a lot further than they have so far. Um, but with nothing to show for it, uh, it's, uh, you know, and, and this is a, a Clipper team who wants, uh, you know, wants the city to build them a separate arena outside of, uh, fuck calling it crypto arena. It's still staples. Uh, they want to, they want a separate arena. I mean, they're, they're already getting it. Yeah. Steve Ballmer paid for it. Yeah. Well, okay. So I guess he paid for it. That's cool. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, the the Clippers are, they that's, I don't know, not be prisoner of the moment, but they have, uh, they've got a lot of big questions this off season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Um, and then uh, a couple more series for you, and then we'll uh, move on. Uh, Hawks Celtics, the uh, Hawks. Get a win on the road, 119-117. Boston Series 3-2. Trey Young looking great. Um, Hawks hanging around, at least making it interesting. I still expect the Celtics to close this out, but the the Hawks are giving Boston all they can handle. Yeah, I mean, it it took a miracle shot from Trey Young to uh, get that win and, and kind of a collapse on the Celtics' part. They should have closed that out. On Tuesday night, they did not, and now Dejounte Murray comes back after throwing a hissy fit and bumping a ref, and so now he comes back for Game Six in Atlanta. Um, for what it's worth, obviously bias shown too. I hope the Celtics shut him out, close him down in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, Trey Young got to save the day. Um, in in Interesting to see um, how this Hawks team looked on Tuesday night with Trey Young back at the helm and not having to share possessions or share the ball. Um, they kind of old Hawks school basketball when they, you know, had beef with the Knicks a couple seasons ago. But now with DeJounte Murray, it'd be interesting to see how they keep that up going into game six. I still, I, I agree with you though. I, the Celtics should have closed it out Tuesday. I think they'll do it on game six. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, the Sixers with that sweep of uh, Brooklyn here, Sixers uh, looked so complete, so determined. Um, they handled their business and, and, and moved on. 
Yeah, the, the Sixers are looking like the real deal. You know, I, I, I get it. It's against a Nets team who, you know, their record was what it was because of KD and and Kyrie and all that. But still with the addition of Mike, uh, you know, Mikel Bridges still played like a, uh, a kind of a superstar. And the Nets were always somewhat decent. I mean, they put up a decent fight given – the hand they that, that team's been dealt so i don't expect the nets going forward like next season to be some true contender or to be a threat in the playoffs i mean they faced a a tough philly team but damn it if if the nets aren't trying you know right oh you're you're right about that um one final note on, on the NBA, and then we'll bring uh, Ari Alexander here to the show. Um, the only series we know for certain right now in round two is Denver and Phoenix. And obviously Denver will have home court in that series as the one seed, Phoenix the four seed. And, you know, Phoenix, I know they're paying KD a lot of money. They give up a lot of tra- draft capital and everything, but that team hasn't been together too long. You know, they're they're still figuring themselves out, I think like the excuse is kind of built up for them it to an extent. But on Denver's side of things, I know that they played in a conference final in the bubble, but you got Jamal Murray playing at a high level. Joker, you know, is either going to be the MVP or second runner-up. And there's still a lot of questions about if he can be that guy in the moment and everything. I think this is the most important series of Joker's career. It, this is put-up or shut-up time for Denver – if if they don't take care of business now, then uh, I mean it's it's not taking them. Then then I'm not going to take Denver seriously ever again. This is this is their moment, their time to shine to show if they're legit or not as far as a a, a serious team for the for years to come. Yeah, I think you're right, and and you you mentioned Joker too, um, and I mentioned this before, Mike Malone. Uh, this is this is his time to either put up or shut up. Um, I mean, this is this is almost as important for Mike Malone than it is for the Joker. Um, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about MVP status, this is where you have to will your team to win, not just throw assists here and there. You know, I mean, he's obviously had great stats, but if 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 you yeah, – there's there's two different things for MVPs. It's obviously the stats you put up and what you mean to your team by that. But it's also taking over the game and, and damn out, you know, coming out, uh, you know, freaking writing names down and kicking ass. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more than that. I mean, he's got to go to an, like an ethereal version of – of Nikola Jokic and go out there and just, you know, take names and kick ass and just, I mean, he's got to, he's got to shut down that Phoenix team, which is, you know, not obviously easy to do because there's playmakers on that team. It's this, this feels like a one, two matchup. It does. And it, and it right. arguably could have been. I lean towards uh, Phoenix. Uh, I need to see Joker show up uh as much as it sounds weird to say but i've seen kd in these circumstances step up we've seen devin booker and chris paul and these guys 
get to an NBA Finals before. Uh, my money, I, I, I lean towards Phoenix. I, I need Denver to prove it. Yeah, I agree. I, I right now with what I've seen, um, you know, and and the Nuggets did beat the Timberwolves, and you know, had some pretty impressive games. But if I had to be a betting man right now, give me Phoenix and six. Suns and six, not Suns and four. Yeah, no, it's, if it's Suns and four. I'll be if it's Suns and four. Mike Malone's got to be fired. <laughs> Suns and four guy kind of disappeared. I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, right, but Suns and six. I, I like that pick. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick you back off you too. Suns and six. That's the official pick. Uh, we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, that's our look at the NBA playoffs this week. A uh, lot of football talk coming up. Uh, R. Alexander going to be here. He's in Kansas City for the draft. He's covering the Texans and uh, also has a really good story about B. John Robinson and uh, covering him in high school and catching up with him today and uh, talking about his journey. So we'll learn more about B. John and the Texans draft situation. Also, what's going on with Houston, with uh, the Rockets, with their new head coach, bringing in M.A. Udoka, uh, to be their man and their future, their franchise. More with Ari coming up in a second. Also, Coach Bo's going to be here. We'll have Tom Fullery wrap up the show as well. Don't go anywhere. Jonesport rolls on. <laughs> Joining us now, the Jonesport this week. Pleased to welcome in Ari Alexander from KPRC in Houston. Got a chance to meet Ari at the Final Four just a few weeks ago, and uh, it was awesome seeing him there, getting to know him and. And now he's actually in Kansas City covering the NFL draft, and we'll talk plenty about that. But Ari, I want to welcome you in for the very first time. Thanks for joining us, Matt. How are things uh, in uh, KC? Things are good, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to meet you uh, a few weeks ago at the Final Four here in Houston. I am running on zero sleep because I had a 5 a.m. flight to get here. The prospects had a, uh, a morning community service event that started at 9.30, and they were talking at 10.30, so... I had to get in the first flight from Houston to get here. So I've been doing that. Talked to some guys this morning. Uh, sat down for a one-on-one with Bijan Robinson, who I've known for a long time, uh, which was great. And then uh, that's kind of my day. And then we're waiting on what happens tomorrow with the Texans, who pick it 2-12 and 12 or potentially could trade something and something crazy could happen. And uh, that's what we got going on here in Kansas City. It is uh, – they're still getting ready. There's not a lot of people walking around downtown. We're just down there for some live shots for, uh, for KPRC2 in Houston and – now I'm back at the hotel, relaxing a little bit before I go and uh, meet up with my guy, Zoe Frost, the jeweler who makes all those huge chains you see the guys wear on the yeah. red carpet. He's out delivering. Uh, he'll be delivering chains like Santa Claus tonight, so I'm going to tag along with him for a story we're working on. Are you getting a chain yourself? I'm not. I can't afford one, man. Oh. Um, although... <laughs> Uh, this is, it's, it's like not a secret, but, uh, I am promised a grill by Paul Wall and Johnny Dang. So we've had that conversation. He's told me like, you can stay on me about it. We're making you a grill. Um, but I, you know, I'm like too polite to text Paul Wall and be like, bro, where's my grill? But yes, he, uh, he does owe me a grill currently. I really hope that we get to see you on TV with the grill on. Uh, I, <laughs> I put it on TV for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. Good, good. That's great to hear. Uh, Ari, I, I got to give you a little credit before we dive into too much shop here. Uh, Ari, by the way, folks, is an excellent Instagram photographer uh, <laughs> from 
Uh, you know, he he, he would, came in very clutch at the Final Four when uh, we, we I think we were about the only guys left in the arena there uh, Saturday night. All right, so I, I'm forever grateful for that, uh, my friend. Appreciate it. you can uh, you can thank my wife, man. We uh, we we go on trips and go to Greece and places, and she wants some good pictures, and I have to make them good, otherwise she's going to be disappointed. And I, don't, I don't want to disappoint my wife. <laughs> That's great, uh, Aria. Let, let's start out. You know, you, you mentioned you're at the draft and. You've talked to all sorts of people today, um, but specifically, I, I want to get to this this Bijan Robinson stuff uh, because of your connection with Bijan, how far you you two go back. Uh, pretty interesting story and, and amazing to see him at this point here, the best running back prospect I think we've seen in the draft since Saquon Barkley, expected to go pretty high. Uh, tell me the backstory uh, about you and, and Bijan and, and seeing him from his early days. Yeah, so before I worked at uh, KPRC2 in Houston starting in 2019, I was in Tucson from 2016, uh, January 2016. And so 2016 fall would have been his freshman year of high school. And he played for South Point Catholic, which is one of the better high schools um, in Tucson. They're generally a traditional power. Uh, Tucson doesn't have a lot of D1 athletes. There's maybe four to six a year. And like three of those five or something like that are typically from South Point. They'll have there's a kid named Jonah Miller and, and some other kids like they're they're a legit, very good high school program. And they they'll play for the state title. They're in the open division in Arizona um, for anyone listening, watching that knows how Arizona high school football works. Um, they're typically one of the 10 or so best high school teams in the state. And most of them are in Phoenix. But then this one team in Tucson is really good. So we went to this really nice private Catholic high school in the middle of Tucson. And they had another running back who I thought was phenomenal. He was just like undersized for college and obviously beyond. His name was Mario Padilla. They called him El Jukebox because he would juke people. And there was one play I remember I was at a game, you know, filming, and he juked two guys into each other. And he did that like twice. Like he was awesome. And uh, I think he was a junior. I think he's two years older than Bijan. And so freshman Bijan, toward the back half of the season, get, starts getting all this playing time alongside Mario Padilla. And he had like six or 700 rushing yards last like five games of, as a freshman in high school in this, you know, good high school team. And everyone knew forever his, uh, his uncle, Paul Robinson was the 1968 NFL rookie of the year, running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. His grandpa, Cleo Robinson is a legendary high school athlete in the Tucson area and a phenomenal high school basketball referee uh, who I would see around all the time. Um, his, you know, his, he comes from such a, a great family and this, this cool legacy of, of football that he has in his family. And in his sophomore year, he was like the full-time starting running back, and him and Padilla would split time at the slot, which is one big reason I think he is going to be an unbelievable receiver at the NFL level because Texas didn't really use him enough or correctly like that. And I've seen – and I know it's high school competition versus college, but like I've seen him run triangle routes to the house all the time. He is an amazing pass catcher. And the NFL uses running backs out of the backfield so much more than the college game does. And I think he's going to fit in perfectly. And so then his freshman, his sophomore year, he ran for like, you can look up the stats on Max Prep, like 1,800 yards. He was insane. Like his average game, I always say this, his average game, you'd go to a South Point game and they would play some other, you know, small school in Tucson. And he'd have like 14 carries for 195 yards and three touchdowns at half. And then he'd come in in the second half and have like four more carries for like 60 yards and then another touchdown. And so he'd play two and a half quarters. They'd win 49-7, and he'd have like 240 yards and four TDs every game. And he would he would never play a full game until they would get to like the playoffs and played good competition. And then they'd win like 
35-28, and he'd have like 28 carries for 290 yards and four touchdowns. And he never had an off game. I'd never see him have an off game. Ran for 2,000 yards as a junior, ran for 2,000 yards as a senior. He was forever destined, basically, to be a generationally good running back prospect. Well, and, and then you saw him at UT uh, right there in, in, in where uh, you cover, of course, uh, being in Houston. And what amazed me watching him at UT, Ari, was that you know he was good from the jump at UT, but, I mean, he, he put in the work. He got better each and every year when he was already great when he walked on campus. Yeah, he's just a kid that he has the right mindset about everything. And I was, I was talking to his aunt today, who's also his marketing manager, and, and I told her, that I truly believe, and if we discount quarterbacks here, you take away Patrick Mahomes and and Josh Allen and all these, you know, the big popular quarterbacks in the league, he can be the face of the NFL. Aside from the main, you know, four or five amazing quarterbacks that you have in the league, the Jalen Hurts of the Joe Burrows that are obviously going to get commercials and attention and everything, I think Bijan is the number one non-quarterback who's going to be in commercials and, and get all this stuff because when you talk to him, and you can watch every video of any interview or any interaction he's ever done with anyone. There is just like nothing bad anyone can say about him. He's just the nicest kid on earth who comes from this great family and he cares about football and he works hard. And he's just this like kind, good person who happens to be amazing at football. And so I think teams don't want to draft a running back high. But then when you interview him as an NFL team, like how can you not like this guy? You fall in love with the kid because he's just such a good kid. And, he, and so I think that he's going to go high in this draft despite the running back stigma. One, because he's obviously insanely talented. And two, I think a team is going to come out of their Zoom interview with him and go, oh my God, this is the trendsetter we want for the locker room. This is the perfect kid for us. And same thing at UT. Uh, I thought he had a chance to win the Heisman when he was in college. I think Texas needed to be better for that to happen. Obviously, when you have four losses a year, it's tough to win the Heisman as a running back with all these quarterbacks that are awesome in college. I think he was underused as a freshman, specifically probably a little underused as a sophomore. Um, I think you get to the NFL, he is going to thrive in the league, not only from an on-the-field standpoint, but off the field. Uh, I think he's going to be just very quickly one of the most popular players in the league. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. He's uh, he's going to be fun to watch for sure. I'll be Rooting Bijan on. Uh, with that said, uh, we mentioned uh, you talked to some other guys. Uh, I believe C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and others. Uh, what were some of the conversations and takeaways you had uh, from talking to these guys before the draft here? Well, it was interesting to talk to the quarterbacks. So I talked to today uh, sort of extensively with Will Anderson, Will Levis, and C.J. Stroud, the guys that I was able to catch up to um, at the, the community service day that the rookies, uh, the prospects, were putting on. And uh, I, I asked all of them kind of the same question, which, you know, obviously other than the general, it's the day before the draft, what are you feeling? Why, you know, the Texans pick at two. Why do you deserve to go two to the Texans? And then also what was your, where were your conversations like with the team throughout the pre-draft process? And so, I mean, these guys all talked to them, they visited, um, they, you know, they, they, are have a chance and a lot of the buzz is going toward the defensive end for the Texans from everything that I've heard. And again, unless there's some sort of shock thing, I would be surprised if the Texans take CJ Stroud. It just doesn't feel like they like him enough from everything we're hearing inside, you know, whatever can come inside of that building and come outside that building. Same with Will Levis and uh, same with Richardson. There is a legitimate chance that they just don't take a quarterback at two and they go Will Anderson or they go Tyree Wilson. 
And uh, Will Anderson is, I think, the most sensical fit. Alabama guy, phenomenal college career, um, everything I've heard about him, and also just from my interaction with him today, just a good guy and, and uh, would be a good fit for that locker room and that defense that D'Amico Ryans is trying to build. I think a lot of Texans fans are going to be upset when number two gets called and it's Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson and not a quarterback. And, and then you start worrying, are we going to have to go through another year of Davis Mills? But I think that, that they're just looking at the prudent thing versus when you're not in love with any of these other quarterbacks, why force it when you your evaluation of that guy is not that he can lead you to the promised land? Because what we're seeing in the NFL right now Unless you have that super high-level quarterback, and it can be boom or bust, right? Jalen Hurts was thought of as a potential bust, and then he turned out to be excellent. Josh Allen, potential bust, turned out to be excellent. I think Burrow was relatively safe. Mahomes was considered to be a very volatile potential bust, and then obviously is on the track that he's on. Uh, I don't think you can play it safe, and that's why I never liked the Davis Mills pick, because his ceiling to me is Kirk Cousins. And what has Kirk Cousins got you at his ceiling? Not good enough, right? So you have to have one of these guys. And if you look at Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and you say, well, we don't think or our scouting grade does not tell us that that guy's ceiling is Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, why draft him? Why not wait for someone or, or you know, build the other parts of your team? Because there are teams, rarely, I think, lately especially, that have gone to the Super Bowl with a decent quarterback, not an amazing quarterback, because the rest of the team was so good. But in this era of football, you need to have that high-level quarterback. And if that team doesn't believe one of those guys is that, why are you picking him? Well, and I look at this with the Houston Texans. You can't say this about every other team that is looking for a quarterback. The Texans are still got – they've made some improvements to their roster, but they still got a ways to go. I think they're realistically expecting to be in a similar draft position next year – and next year's quarterback class, Ari, I think is a lot better than this year's class. Caleb Williams, Drake May, and others here. If you're the Texans, get that star defensive player now, a good player at 12, and then kick the can to next year when there's even better quarterbacks. I agree with that to some degree, but you also got to realize that this fan base is is fed up. I mean, they've won yeah. four games, four games, three games. They, you know, they only won three games this year with Lovey Smith, who is generally considered by the NFL to be a more competent coach than David Culley, and he won less games than David Culley. The roster in 2022 on paper was supposed to be a little bit better than the roster in 2021, and they won less games somehow. So it's bad. They have a lot of holes. There's a lot of areas that need fixing. The rookies that they had last year that played decently, like a Jalen Petrie, those guys still have some, you know, missed tackles or some poor games where you can see the flash where like Jalen Petrie is going to, excuse me, turn into this really good safety, but 75% of the game, he's great. And there's a 25% where he doesn't make a play and that'll get fixed year two, year three is he'll become a better and better player. But right now they're, you know, have some young players or they have some older players like on the line last year where they were running out a 33 year old center. And, you know, and right now even center as a whole interior offensive line as a whole, they're decent at tackle. They have running backs. You obviously need a quarterback. You definitely need receivers. You need more edge rushers. You need more D tackles. You definitely need linebackers. Maybe need a little bit more secondary, even though they've made some, I thought, smart signings with a guy like Jimmy Ward. Um, but there's they have like 12 picks in this draft, and they almost need all of them. You need to fill this team with quality football players, and that's something they just haven't had for 
three years now. I remember 2020, and like, no offense to Chad Hansen, like Deshaun Watson is out there throwing to Chad Hansen, and he's getting a lot of targets, killing it for me on DFS. Like, shout out Chad Hansen on DraftKings. <laughs> if you're a team with aspirations of winning, you know, even a division title with the Texans show that they can do, even under Bill O'Brien, who is maligned in Houston, then you got to be better than some of the, the players that they have at the positions now. And that's where you build through the draft. You look at the teams other than the Rams, even though they build a decent amount through the draft, who have won these Super Bowls, they built through the draft. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, we've seen the Vegas odds uh, for Will Levis at two have gone up quite a bit. Uh, from, from your vantage point, Ari, uh, what do you think? Do you think there's anything to that? Uh, does Vegas know something we don't? Is there, you know, maybe some interest for Houston with Levis there? Or is this maybe a, a trade situation where somebody's trading up potentially for Will Levis? What, what do you make of this? Is this worth reading into, you think? I think it's worth reading into. I don't necessarily think that it's worth reading into in terms of the Houston Texans are going to draft Will Levis. I would be very surprised if that happens but I could see them trading back to four. And especially if they believe that, you know, let's say the Colts want Will Levis and they'll take him at two. And then they know, and let's say they have similar grades on Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson that, all right, whichever one of the Cardinals don't pick, we'll just get that guy. And then they're fine with either one. Um, Tyree Wilson is obviously the more explosive prospect, but with a lower floor. Will Anderson is extremely high floor prospect, but might not have as high of a ceiling as Tyree Wilson. And you can look at that and go, all right, well, either way we win. We get either the high ceiling 6'6 monster who could turn into Calais Campbell or we get the high floor, you know he's going to give you nine and a half sacks a year for the next five years and D'Amico's going to love him and he's going to be a good locker room guy and we're going to be sold on the edge with Jonathan Bernard and, and Will Anderson. And so you could do something like that. That's where I read into it, where that's a potential trade-up, not a Texans are picking Will Levis at two. Okay. That's uh, that's all very good insights there. Uh, we're joined here on the program this week, Ari Alexander of, of the NBC station there in uh, Houston, Texas. He's live at the uh, NFL draft in Kansas City here with us, uh, getting ready for the draft. And and uh, Ari, you, you're a Mizzou guy. Uh, I, I'm a Kansas guy. I'm, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in Kansas City over the years. And, and uh, I, I got to say this much before we move on, just, I mean, Kansas City getting this draft, should be a, a just an incredible setting there with Union Station, the World War One Museum. They've been waiting for something big like this. Uh, I, I, I'm excited. We've seen some great scenes in Vegas, Nashville, and all that. I think Kansas City is going to do a terrific job. What's what's it like uh, just just leading up to this and how the setting, how this is all setting up there? Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen a whole lot. So we were out there for five and six o'clock doing the live shots um, just in front of where the stage will be. And uh, I mean, you know, it's the day before the drafts. So there's not a whole lot of activity. The prospects are all going around doing their marketing events and, and things like that. And, and people are kind of setting up um, and media is again, still out and about doing other things. So I didn't really, I haven't gotten to go in yet. We, we picked up our credential from the, uh, from the high school football event that they had the prospects out at. So I haven't seen it. I, I kind of drove by, we parked close and did our live shot and saw it. Um, give me a location. It looks fine to me. The one nice thing I like, coming from Houston is there's no traffic in and out of the city at rush hour. This is phenomenal <laughs> for us, man, to go. We went 13 miles in 18 minutes. That'll take 40 in Houston. This is like, cause I grew up in Iowa. So 
we don't have traffic in Iowa. I went to Mizzou. We don't have traffic in Columbia. I would drive to go see my friends in Kansas City and St. Louis where there's like minimal traffic. And I live in Houston where it's just outrageous. And so this was nice. It's like, hey, 13 miles. Oh, no. Oh, 18 minutes. Like, we're good. So uh, it's a good little setup here. I think it's it's cool, especially because you have such buzz in the city. They just won the Super Bowl. They're a consistently great team for the past, you know, five, six years. And the fans care. I, I got off the plane. We are waiting uh, to get on the rental car bus. And I saw a lady wearing the uh, know your role and shut your mouth Travis Kelsey t-shirt. Yes. And some, some guy didn't know about it. So he asked her and she like, explained the whole thing. But to me, it's like, this is how much people in Kansas City care about the Chiefs and care about what's going on. And it's gone to another level. Chiefs fandom has always been really, really good. Like I remember having the uh, the KC Wolf height. You ever had that? Oh, yeah. The, day, the KC Wolf height poster at the elementary school. So yeah. we had that, right? Um, and I think it's gone to another level. Now that they're obviously excellent and a Super Bowl contender every year and have Patrick Mahomes, the potential, you know, greatest quarterback of all time, um, why, you know, why wouldn't you get excited? So this is a perfect time to put a draft here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. And uh, certainly happy uh, for everybody in Kansas City to get to have this draft. It'll be a big deal. Uh, I want to ask you real quick uh, before we kind of wrap up things, Ari, uh, on the NBA front, it's pretty interesting there in, in Houston where you're at with the Houston Rockets. Of, uh, I know it was a down year and everything, rebuilding year, but the future ahead, uh, you know, obviously they're going to have a top pick and, uh, and all that. We'll ask about that for a second. But bringing in M.A. Udoka to be their new head coach after everything that went down in Boston – we know he can coach, but there's controversy that comes with him. What's been kind of your thoughts and reaction to the hiring there? Yeah, when I uh, saw saw Woj's tweet uh, Monday, uh, I was hanging out at the jewelry store, and it was just instant, like, oh, man, they got him made okay. And I, I thought it was it was a good hire in terms of this is a guy who knows what he's doing. There is the off-the-court stuff, of course. Um, however, when you look at their list of people they interviewed or their list of finalists or whatever, whoever you want to call finalists, and you look at the names and it's like Nick Nurse, ex-NBA champion, Frank Vogel, ex-NBA champion, Sam Cassell, you know, Rockets legend, two-time champion with the Rockets as a player, three-time NBA champion as a player, 14-year assistant, like good with the players, younger guy, has the relationship with James Harden, like that's solid. And then Ime Doko is, you know, he's a coach for one year and he led the Celtics to the NBA finals. So if those are your options coming off with what was not a good tenure for Steven Silas. And I know that he took over a team that was supposed to be Russ and Harden and then it instantly turned into a bunch of 19 year olds. However, there were a lot of issues with his coaching and, and over the past few years where it didn't feel like these young guys got a whole lot better, at least small things, you know, defensive rotations, awareness, things like that, that I think a better coach would have been able to teach them in a better way. And so I think that's one thing that makes you excited for the future that on the court, Yudoka is good at what he does and it's kind of no nonsense. And he's coached, you know, younger burgeoning superstars like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And like knowing that those guys took the step from, this is a really good young player to this is a superstar under him. And so I think that that bodes well. Obviously, you do your due diligence, you do your background. Anytime there's a guy that has an off-court issue, especially one that was as high profile as his was, the talk of the basketball world at the beginning of the of the year, and that he got fired for after leading a team to the finals was clearly serious. Um, but 
the league has cleared him. The Rockets did their research knowing that they've been bad for the past few years and you can't screw this up. So to that sense, I kind of trust Rafael Stone and Tillman Fertitta that they did their research and they determined that the guy screwed up. He's sorry. He knows that screwing up means that you are the center of attention of the basketball world for two weeks. And he probably doesn't want to do that again. So let's let him coach. And if it's a disaster, then, you know, Tillman finds a new GM and, and you keep going. And I think Houston as a city can draw NBA free agents and things can turn around quickly. Uh, there's a good chance James Harden is back next year. And then that might attract more better players to mix with the younger players. And the Rockets could go from being terrible for three years in a row into like an instant seven seed. And especially if they end up getting a victor here, if they find themselves, you know, that number one pick that that's the type of player. I know he hasn't played an NBA game yet. We don't know where he's going, but just everything that we've heard about him that's a type of player that immediately makes an impact and changes a franchise right away. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't claim to watch a whole lot of French basketball, but <laughs> it, you know, the six minutes of YouTube highlights that I've seen, or, you know, you watch the one game they'll have on NBA TV where he plays a G league team. Yeah. He looks like the, like an alien. He's seven, four and he dribbles and hits step backs. And like, he looks incredible. And so of course you got to, if you get the number one pick, that is, that's massively, you know, generationally changing for your team and at a marketing standpoint too, because the Rockets right now are not a relevant NBA team by comparison to the Lakers, Grizzlies, Warriors, et cetera, Bucks, um, you know, the Heat, the, all these these teams that have superstars that are good. The Rockets are an afterthought. I saw some Rockets fans complaining on Twitter. They're like, hey, we just hired Ime Udoka and no one cares because they're just talking about LeBron getting all over Dylan Brooks, like, this sucks. Why doesn't anyone care about our team? Well, because you're bad. And as soon as Victor Wambanyana comes on the team, and potentially James Harden, and potentially some other players, then that's kind of an instant level of care, because I think the NBA world is going to go from, I think they're sort of fatigued on daily coverage of how much better is Jalen Green going to get, to Wambanyama could be, obviously, the best player in basketball, um, by the time he reaches his prime, and I think that the narrative changes. However, you can't guarantee that number one overall pick, and it could be Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller or whatever, which are good players that aren't Wembanyama. Yeah, very well could be. Uh, Ari, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, where can people follow and see all the uh, stuff you're doing? You're going to be reporting from the draft there in Kansas City, but uh, you're all over the uh, Houston sports scene all the time. Where can people see more, man? Yeah, you can uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, Ari Alexander, the L is the number one. There's a uh, guy in Indonesia who had at Ari Alexander uh, before I had it. I asked him to trade handles. He wanted $600. I, I'm not doing that. So we were sticking with Ari A1 Alexander. The L is the number one. And then uh, also post uh, work at my work account, KPRC2 Ari, which is uh, fairly easy to find on both twitter and instagram but uh yeah that's where you can find me in the work and what we got going on in the uh the nfl draft here less so in the rockets because i'm here uh here with the texans uh in the draft but uh exciting week in the city of houston especially tomorrow when we find out who goes two and who goes 12 or if there's intrigue and trades things like that oh yeah gonna be awesome uh all right thanks again for joining us man uh let me know uh, next time you're in Dallas. So uh, I'll have to meet up or something for sure. And and uh, got to get plenty of uh, Kansas City barbecue while you're up there, man. Uh, yep. We'll talk in down the line. And appreciate you joining us, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Tyler. 
Time for Coach Bowles Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OHGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. He's also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, uh, you are not too far away from the the uh, NFL draft there in uh, Kansas City. Pretty uh, exciting uh, couple days there, I would imagine. Yeah, I, um, I'm not going to go to the draft. That's just... Uh... A little more than I want to attend to, I suppose. But uh, it's yeah, it's exciting. There's a lot of excitement in the area with the draft being here. Expecting someone said between fifty and seventy five thousand people to come to the draft. How about that for the draft of all things? Like wow, it just seems you know, like a. I was thinking along those lines, Bo. If you were to explain to a non sports fan the draft, like they just wouldn't get it. Like yeah, we get excited about our favorite college players getting their names called that they're joining our team. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> essentially what we're talking about. And I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today and he asked, are you going to go to the draft? And I said, no, he says, he's not as big a sports fan as I am clearly, but he, he says, um, I would have thought that had been right up your alley. And I was like, no, that's not like a game. You know, this is just sit there and root for your team. And right now I'm a free agent when it comes to teams. So I don't have a team to root for on this. And and I think the draft is really cool for the young men who get drafted and are going to realize they're going to play in the NFL. I, Other than that, I really don't have much use for this thing, honestly. Um, I, yeah. I think when we're watching it, you hear all the – and I'm glad that like we're going to get to the Aaron Rodgers thing. I'm glad that he got done before the draft because they would have hijacked the draft again. <laughs> <laughs> and that made that experience two years ago a lot less fun. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm. I'm looking forward to. It's going to be different this year than it has been with not as many offensive players in the first round. There's not a lot of skill position players and the quarterback situations, you know, in, involved. And then, you know, there's going to be some trades in here too. People are going to be moving up and moving around. It'll be interesting. Uh. You know, what Aaron did this year, instead of hijacking the draft, he he hijacked uh, Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon's day. Uh, I know. <laughs> and let's all say a prayer for Don, for uh, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you know who I am. You know how I am. I'm I'm all glad that he's sitting at home now. But he, you know what? He gets to count his millions of dollars. He's not going to get any more. But he's got he's made plenty. And I know uh, Don, an LSU fan too. Don is from he's from New Orleans guy. Yeah, he's yeah, I think Orleans. he's an LSU guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know he's a New Orleans guy. So, yeah, um, you know, I obviously two very different reasons, but <laughs> probably probably both deservingly so. I mean, Don Lemon has not pushed any ratings, and Tucker Carlson was well plenty documented what's going on with Tucker Carlson. <laughs> oh, Let me choose God. the ways. So, Bo, when I look at this draft, we all are pretty certain that Bryce Young going one to the Carolina Panthers. But then after that, with now where Houston's at, apparently not liking C.J. Stroud or any of these quarterbacks, they could go Will Anderson, could go Tyree Wilson, could trade down. I mean, I have really no idea. We're recording this on Wednesday night. You may be already listening and already know the picks by the time the show you're listening to the show, whatever it may be. But no one's got a feel for this draft after that one pick because Houston uh, 
you know, it's been all over the place about what they're doing here. Yeah, I mean, it's overwhelming that Bryce Young is going to be the number one pick, looks like. Um, we did see, I don't know if you saw this, I'm sure you did, Wednesday morning, a massive gambling surge on Will Levis being the number one pick. Um, some Reddit thread said that he was te- the Will Levis telling people he's going to go number one overall. Um, he went from like 32 to one to four to one. He's now selling as we're recording this at eight to one. But um, I agree with you. It looks like it's Bryce Young. And then from there, you know, the Texans have said a couple different things. It seemed like it was going to be CJ Stroud. And then we hear they might take a defensive player, they maybe open for a trade. You know, they might they might take Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. It after one, it's gonna get interesting. I do think CJ Stroud's gonna go two. I think Houston's gonna say, hey, this is the guy. And then I think from there at three, we're gonna start seeing the trades coming in. But I wouldn't be surprised. The Texans as an organization has done this once before. It's been uh, what was it, 2006? It's been a number of years when it looked like Reggie Bush was going to go number one overall, and they opted on draft day to take Mario Williams instead. And different people in charge, different general managers now and everything else, but uh, you never know. It, and I do think once we get past one, it's on. It's going to be – it'll be interesting for the next – seven or eight picks because you got four quarterbacks. Those two great defensive players, and then we'll see what happens. I feel like Bo, if you're Houston here, there, there's a couple ways to look in this, you know, CJ Stroud, I think would be the best quarterback that they can pick. I don't think he's going to be a boss, but I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a superstar. Um, you know, as far as that goes, um, Will Anderson, I think, is the best player in this draft, and that's a that's a sure thing. I think that's the safe bet, but it's still leaving out your needed quarterback. And then there, there's even the possibility of Tyree Wilson uh, from Texas Tech being the pick here. I, I feel like if if you get to the point where it's Tyree Wilson, then you're overthinking, aren't you? I mean, because at that point, you'd be passing on the quarterback, passing on the best player in the draft in Will Anderson, and then passing on the second best player and Jalen Carter in the process as well. Um, but knowing Houston, I, I don't think we'd be sitting here shocked at all if they overthink this and run circles and at the end of the night somehow end up with Tyree Wilson. Yeah, I, I think if if you pass on, if you're Houston, you pass on a quarterback and Carter and um, Will Anderson – you've done a really poor job because you could trade down and get somebody, get get an extra pick out of it. A, a good pick, too. Um, you know, so it's interesting to me there. I just I, – I don't see Houston messing this thing up. I, I think he takes C.J. Stroud. I, I tend to agree with some of your saying about what C.J. Stroud's going to be. I think he's a franchise quarterback. I don't know that he is a Super Bowl quarterback. I think in the right situation with a really good offense around him and a good defense, yeah, he he could be he could be a, a, a franchise guy. I think he of the four quarterbacks has the least um the least percentage of bustability. Yeah, if you were going to choose one to be your quarterback today, 
to start a game for you right now, it'd be C.J. Stroud to me. Um, you know, will he be the biggest, best quarterback in this draft? I don't know that yet. Uh, and I don't know that he has as much upside as Bryce Young and um, um, Anthony Richardson. And Levis, I keep going back and forth on. But I think I would take Stroud instead. I think in the end, Houston's going to take Stroud. There's a lot of smoke and them just trying to maybe ruffle up some feathers and see if someone's willing to blow them away with a, with a trade. Maybe are the Colts dumb enough to move from two to four or four to two and, and, and pay a number one next year? Knowing that the, if you're Houston, you need a lot on that roster. But in the end, if you're the Texans, the number one thing you really need is you need a quarterback, but you need somebody anybody who can be the guy I heard this really well put a couple weeks ago you need a guy that the kid wants to wear his jersey who's walking around Houston right now in a Texans jersey they really haven't had that person since JJ Watt um even Deshaun Watson wasn't that guy as good as he is and as popular as he was you know the the Texans have made the mistake of a mistake. They've gone and lost J.J. Watt, their best player in their history, most popular player in their team history. Deshaun Watson did what Deshaun Watson did, and their team has collapsed on the field. It's funny this all happened since the uh, it all kind of started when the Texans blew that 21-point lead in the playoff to the Chiefs four years ago. Yes. Uh, from there, that it's just really been on the decline, the decline, the decline. This is your chance. And I think right now you just can't screw this up if you're if you're Houston. You've got to get a quarterback, whether it's the quarterback. And again, I don't think that C.J. Stroud is a bad choice. I think he's a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, he would have been the number one pick last year, and I think a lot of years he'd be the number one pick. I, I think he tops to a an Eli Manning or better. But he's a guy who can win. He's got a good arm. He's a smart quarterback. He's played in a big-time system already. I don't see why you wouldn't take that that pick at number two. Yeah. Um, And then we get to – I think there's certain points in this draft that are like the breaking points, right, that are going to kind of determine the direction where this is going to go. Two is a big point, and then the next point's five with Seattle. And I was talking to somebody in the office today about this. And it feels like this is a like a freebie pick of sorts almost for Seattle because they still have their pretty decent pick at 20. And this came from the Russell Wilson trade, obviously. Yeah. And with this pick at five, there there's two ways to view it. I think, Bo, either, okay, you got an opportunity right now to get a generational defensive talent like a Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson – beef up that defense and capitalize on win now mode. Or you could say, you know what? We're not going to pick in this position next year. Let's go get ahead and get our quarterback for the future to sit behind Geno. And whether that's Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, CJ Stroud, sounds like Seahawks really like Richardson and Stroud. Um, I lean towards getting the defensive player in the win now mindset. I like what I saw from Geno. He's only 32. What, what what mindset do you like better if you're John Schneider and Pete Carroll? Do you like the 
let's go defense and focus on the now, or do you like the opportunity to get the quarterback that you're probably not going to have the opportunity to get in this spot next year? You're you're spot on with the spot thing. They're not picking a five again next year. Uh, they can thank the Broncos for that for that pick. I think I would go with the quarterback if it's Richardson. If I could get Anthony Richardson, I think I would take it. I don't think – see, I think that well, like we talked about with one and two being um, probably two quarterbacks, and then you got three and four, probably going to be a quarterback at three. Um, I'm sorry, at four with the Colts. And then three, the Cardinals could try to make a trade in there. Seattle could be sitting there at five, be out of the whole quarterback situation if they were to go one through four. Or if you look at it and maybe you've got – maybe you like Richardson's upside compared to Levis. Maybe you pass on Levis. And what I could see Seattle doing, knowing they've got the 20 – if it's a 20, is there a normal yeah. pick? 20, yeah. I could see them trying to engineer a trade back on 20 mm-hmm. and trying to get to like 31 or 32 to try to take Hendon Hooker. Yes. Someone's going to make that deal at some point because they're actually getting him in the first at the end of the first round because of the um, fifth year option. But so that's what I think Seattle's going to do. I, I think they're going to go ahead and take a defensive player at five because I think they'll get one of them. I think either way, Will Anderson or or Carter, you're going to get or Jalen Carter, you're going to get a great player. Um, you're going to get a perennial Pro Bowler. Um, and I know that you really like Will Anderson. I kind of grade them about the same. I just think it's going to come down to who. I think they're both great. I think they're, yeah, they're both great. And I think that, I don't think it's a clear heads or tails one over the other. Um, I think it's going to come down to who has the better careers. It'll come down to who they're playing with and who they're, who they're, where they're playing at. But I do like both. And I think you can't go wrong either way. If I'm Seattle and I can get one of them, I think I'd do it. Yeah, and then try to see if I can finagle that number twenty. Even if you have to reach at twenty for Hooker, there, that might be okay with me too. Knowing if you get one of those generational talents at, at the front in the front seven, that's to get a player that good as, as good as Carter and um, um, Anderson are on your front seven is a big deal, and it's there for you know you got for five years and probably longer. So I, I think you got to make that deal and, and take one if you can, unless they really like one of these quarterbacks and the quarterback drops to them. If I was Seattle, I would not trade up. I would be more apt to trade back with that second pick. I, I think, Bo, and, and we'll, we'll move on just a second here. Yeah. If C.J. Stroud's sitting around at five, I can't say no to Stroud. I agree 100% on that. No, the no, others I, I can say no to, and I'll, I'll take the defensive player. Problem with Seattle though is if you go get CJ Stroud, are you creating a quarterback controversy? Because he's the one who can start immediately. Yeah. And that's the one thing. I mean, if I'm going to take the best player available, I'm going to trust the board. Yeah. If Stroud's available at five, it means that the two defensive players are gone and Carter and um, Bryce Young and, um, and Richardson are gone. Yeah. Because something crazy happened. And in which case, I mean, I would I would go CJ Stroud. If I was Seattle, someone's gonna be calling him five if CJ Stroud's available and making you a deal. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah even, if it's to go down, even if it's two picks to go down to Atlanta or um, the Raiders. Yeah. Speaking of trades, um, there's a decent number of players in the league that we have been talking about for trade rumors and trade candidates the last few weeks. And, Bo, based on recent history, especially the last two years, I would think you're going to see some pretty talented Pro Bowl caliber players probably have new homes during the draft. I think with the way these these teams are going, looking at with um, with the way these four quarterbacks are, and someone trying to get in or, um, you know, someone maybe trying to get a B. John Robinson late in the first round, uh, the running back from Texas, um, I think you're going to see some people who are not picks, like people who are on rosters right now get traded. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is out there, and there was a couple of rumors this morning about him going to the Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson's still out there, and I don't know. You cover the Ravens, and so you know it better than I do. I think there's some smoke on Lamar Jackson going to Houston at two. That trade happened. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I can see that. It makes sense for both teams. Um, but I, I, I don't know that it will happen. It just we'll see. Well, if they don't like any of these quarterbacks, why would you not make yeah, it? Yeah, they don't like the quarterback. Go ahead and trade that second pick. And if you're Baltimore, that's exactly what you want. If you're Baltimore and you don't want to pay pay Lamar, that is the exact thing you want is to trade for the number two overall pick. Yeah. Because you get to choose your quarterback there and you're gonna get something else out of it too. So that's as good a pick as they were ever going to be able to get. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you're right about that. Uh, D hop seems like he could be a guy that's, that's traded. Um, who are some of the other names that come to mind? You think that could be on the move, uh, have new homes this weekend. Those were the first two. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. A couple others I had heard uh, ballet about, um, uh, her Michael Thomas in New Orleans might be someone that might be going somewhere. Uh, I would not be surprised if we saw oh, who was it I was thinking of. Um, oh, dang it. I can't think. I had one more of my head here. Now I can get it out. But uh, I just wouldn't be surprised to see any player who has one year left on their contract and a team making a trade to get a, a player to bring them in to a, to a good team. Um, Maybe like yeah, a T. I Higgins potentially. I, I, yeah, I think that the Bengals are more like more likely to trade for a running back than they are to trade uh, T. Because I can see them trading for the back, but not giving up a receiver to do it. Like giving up their number thirty-one pick to get a back. Um, yeah, that, that kind of thing. I, 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 it'll Henry, be Ryan Tannehill. I, think, I don't think Tannehill happens. And we keep hearing that Trey Lance. The Trey Lance thing, when if that happens, I'd be surprised. Um, it, the reason I'd be surprised is twofold on Trey Lance. One is that means they like Brock Purdy, but they also like an injured Brock Purdy, and that would bother me a little bit. Well, they they uh, signed Sam Darnold too. Yeah, but I mean. Do they think they're going to win with Sam Darnold's backup? That's that's a that's but a goal. I, mean, a, I think that Sam Darnold can be a placeholder until Brock is one hundred percent healthy. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they trust that situation. 
I I also frankly just think you got to play Trey Lance if you're the 49ers. I think he's the best upside of all of all the situations they have. So you got to take that chance. I don't know. Brock looked great, I thought. I all right. It goes back to the same argument as the whole CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young thing. You want the guy that's predictable, you want the guy who can give you the upside. We don't know what Trey Lance is, but we know his upside's a hell of a lot higher. Do we? I yes, we do. Yes, we absolutely do. Brock passed the eye test by a mile. I, I don't I there's no chance that Brock Purdy be my starting quarterback for us the 49ers. He'd be my backup, but I'm not making him my start. Not after what I gave up for Trey Lance. Not after all the things I know about Trey Lance. I there's no I would Trey Lance. What did Brock do wrong? Nothing. He's just a he he's the he is the seventh round pick on a team that is stacked around him and just was told go don't go make mistakes. But the 49ers still didn't win. They didn't win it when it was said and done. They couldn't beat the Eagles because they don't have a playmaker. And you have to have a playmaker at quarterback. I did this on my pod. You look at my pod this week. We talked about we took the last 20 Super Bowls. And we said the difference, and this is why the draft's important and why it's so important to get a playmaker at quarterback. If you go to the last 20 Super Bowls, Super Bowl winner, with the exception of the Eagles, that Carson Wentz, Nick Foles team, every Super Bowl winner from the last 20 years had a playmaking quarterback. Every one of them. I, I think you're selling Brock Purdy short. I was floored with what he did. I'm not putting any limitations of saying he can't be a playmaker. I don't I don't think he's a playmaker. I don't think he's a, a starting quarterback. I just, I think he did look. I think he went in there and he asked him to throw the ball 10, 12 times in the beginning, 15 times. They never asked him to throw the ball 30 times or 40 times. You're going to get into a game where you need a quarterback to do that. He's not able to do that. Plain and simple. I, and, I, I think that he can. I, I think that he can do it. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers. I think comparing Brock Purdy to Trey Lance is like comparing Alex Smith skill-wise to Patrick Mahomes. Really? Yeah. Give me the kill with the upside. Just I'm not saying they're the same level. What I'm saying is that's the comparison. I want the guy with the upside. Yeah. i got to have a guy who can win. I mean, I, I, I see where you're coming from, but I, I don't – I've been a fan of Brock Perry for a long time. I see the upside there. Yeah. I think you you saw him in college so much, and you and you, and you did. And you, I think you liked what you saw then, and you're letting that cloud the judgment too. But I mean, I, I saw a guy that dominated, that was able to get an offense, score forty points in a playoff game against Seattle. You know, what I mean, like he made all the throws. He was dynamite. You know, what I mean, didn't make mistakes. Um, That's what they, well, he's not going to make mistakes. I'll give you that. He's not going to make mistakes. They're not asking him to go. And look how much different they were when he went in, when he went down. Josh Johnson looked horrible. Well, he's a di- Josh, Josh. you also have a quarterback who wasn't prepared to be the starting quarterback. Big difference. I mean, Brock Purdy wasn't prepared to be the starter. By the end of the season, he was. He was preparing as the number one quarterback half the year. But, I mean, he was great from the beginning when he showed up there. That first couple games, he was not great. They won games. There's a difference between throwing the ball 12 times a game and winning. That run attack is like no other run attack. He, he was good right I, away. I mean, 
Anyway, I think you gotta have a playmaker. Yeah, I, I um, think it's bottom line. Back to the, you're you're thinking about the if you trade Trey Lance, it's a mistake. Unless you're getting a young, uh, unless you're getting something so phenomenal in return, and I don't think they are. I, yeah, yeah. I think at most they'd get a second round pick. Yeah, that's that's way too low. Um, last thing, Darren Rodgers trade finally official. Our long national nightmare is over after two plus years. Um, I feel like the Packers, all things considered, ended up actually in pretty good shape uh, with uh, what what they got for a guy that could have just retired. I mean, I mean, comparably speaking of a thirty nine year old quarterback, I thought the Packers came out pretty good here. Yeah, I. He wasn't going to retire. He wasn't leaving that much money on the fucking table. I know people, I know he'll say he would. He wasn't leaving 60 million. Nobody leaving 60 million on the damn table. Um, I do think the Packers came out better than I thought they would. Yeah. Uh, the Jets gave them too much, in my in my view. They got the, they swapped the ones, they swapped, were a three for a two. Yeah. And then next year, you got to give them a two. Which could turn into a one placed on uh, based on playing time. That's a lot. That's a lot to give up. Um, it goes to show that also how the Ravens overplayed their hand on Lamar. Mm-hmm. When you see what um, what Rodgers was in return compared to what Lamar's going to get, because they're not going to get more than two two ones for Lamar because of the whole franchise tag piece. Right. Yeah. Um. The Jets with Rodgers, uh, we know that that division stacked with the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Patriots aren't bad. Uh, they got work to no. do, but they're not a bad football team. Um, where do the Jets now line up in that division and the rest of the AFC with Rodgers in the fold? Well, they're in, they're in the mix in the AFC. I think that you kind of put them. I think you put them on the level with both the Bills in the division. I mean, that's a football coin to me right now. They're better than the Dolphins. Yeah, because of who's pulling the trigger on the offense. Yeah, I think I would take Rodgers over Tua. Um, I also, I also think when they get Brees Hall back, that that offense is really going to chill when they get that running back back. He's he's special. Yeah. Um, so I do like the Jets. Problem is they're in the AFC. And if you look, if that team's in the NFC, they might run through the NFC. You know, as, as Nick Saban would they say, like like shit through a tin horn, but. Um, yeah, I in the AFC, you've got Buffalo in the division, Cincinnati, the Chiefs, the Chargers. I man, there's just too many good teams over there. I I can't handicap that. I can't handicap to say who I like, but the Jets are in the mix now. The Jets had a great roster going in, and they didn't hurt their roster at all. And that's why they could overpay in draft picks. Is because they didn't have to worry about the um, affecting the tomorrow on that team. This team is built to go all in right now. Yeah, um, it, it it's going to be very interesting, and yeah. that receiving core, as good as they are, and Rogers, he may have lost a step last year, Bo, but he's still. I mean, e- even if let's say that he did lose a step, that it wasn't just a result of the bad play around him. If he did take a step back, 
I would say even that version of Aaron Rodgers we saw last year still a top 10 quarterback. I would agree with that. Yeah, and I think that you'll see him play even better with better weapons around. And and, and they're frankly, I think, a situation where he wants to play better. I think that's a big part of it, too. I don't know if he'll be the MVP quarterback again or not because he is older and we saw him regress yeah. last year. But even if they're not getting the MVP version, if they got what they got last year, that's good enough. I agree. I, I think that if he's, uh, you know, and last year when he wasn't at his best, it's because he had a hurt hand. I mean, he broke his hand. Yeah. They're playing with a broken bonus throwing hand. That's tough enough. Um, yeah, you're not getting MVP, Aaron Rodgers, but you're getting Aaron Rodgers that's still top 10 quarterback. I could sit here and argue at a big game with top five quarterback. So we'll see. I mean, I I think that the Jets made a really good deal in the end. Um, on the Packers end of things, um, a lot of pressure on Jordan Love. He's gonna have to be good right away, right? Yeah, this is this is it. Jordan Love, it's almost too bad because this is his audition, and it's either he gets a contract, uh, an extension, and they move forward with, with Jordan Love as the franchise quarterback, or he's not a Packer next year. This is your four. He set out three years, and it, he's not. More than no likely, if he doesn't play good, he's not a starter anywhere. I would tend to agree. I don't think that means he doesn't get an opportunity somewhere. But I do think that, yeah, if he doesn't play well for 16 games or 17 games this year, he probably isn't going to be a starting quarterback anywhere next year. If he plays average, he'll get a shot somewhere. But he's got to play well, or the Packers are going to go full rebuild. Um. Last thing on the Packers, and we'll wrap up here. We talk a lot about the pressure on Jordan Love. What about Matt LaFleur? Um, he did a good job getting the NFC Championship game, but he was blamed a lot for their losses, and his quarterback called him out, you know, of some of the decisions he made and everything. Now, post-Aaron Rodgers, what's uh, what's the pressure like on Matt LaFleur here? I would think the pressure's got to be pretty hard on LaFleur. But I also think that that's going to be an internal pressure. I don't think that his seat is going to be hot as a, as a head coach. I think there's a lot of patience that organization, but there has been head coaches in their you know their run, and they've never not been competitive under Matt Lafleur. Last year was their worst team, and they were still competitive. Um, they got all the way to the last weekend; it was win and get in. So well, we didn't think they'd have that opportunity, frankly. Um. So I think he's got some good graces as far as what would happen after a poor season this year. But they're going to have to make some strident improvements in 2024. Um, I think the Packers are a team that are going to take a major step backwards. And I think they know that too. Yeah, the roster is depleted. Yeah. yeah. And their division, everyone's getting better. Yeah. I, I was looking at the numbers compared to situations. The Bears are in a hell of a lot better shape right now than Green Bay is. Yeah. Uh, when it and, comes to cap space, and, when it comes to roster, <laughs> quarterback, draft picks, I mean. And I would look at the Detroit Lions and think, that's the sleeping bear I don't want to poke. But what are the, what are the Lions going to do all these suspensions now? I, I They'll be okay. I really think. Jameis Williamson's only with six games. Yeah. And then the other ones, I think they'll be fine. I, in the end uh, – just that when something is, goes right for this team, they find a way to, to yeah. screw up. They all, 
I, I like the, I like their situation, and, and you know I love their coach. Their coach is great. Yeah, uh, I'm a Matt Campbell guy or Dan Campbell guy. Uh, Matt Campbell as well, uh, Iowa State head coach yeah. and uh, mentor yeah. of Brock Purdy, who uh, Bo's a big fan of. Uh, yes, uh, Bo, we're out of time. Uh, catch him the uh, Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every week wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, he's going to be all over the draft as well. We got a long one this week. Uncle Rico and I went almost three hours on the on the draft. Everything about what we think about these quarterbacks to the lack of skill position players. We've got our kind of late round picks, some guys to take a look at. Um, I got my eyes on a couple of guys, and I think that I think will be really good impact players in this league. And uh, I mean, everything you can, we can hit it from every angle. You can hit it. So definitely check it out. It'll be a fun one. Bo, uh, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Uh, he doesn't like his quarterbacks throwing 40 and 50 times a game, but he's complaining about Brock Purdy not throwing 40 and 50 times a game. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I Bo, like uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, we'll see. All right, take care. Final segment before we go, it's time for our Tom Fullery story of the week where Thomas Bridges rejoins us now to tell us <laughs> – Something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where shall we enter this time? Jones, have you ever given, have you ever donated blood to the Red Cross? I have. Well, maybe I'm a horrible person because I have not. And, uh, <laughs> like needles, right? Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Not, not because I don't want to, right? Not because I don't think it's a good thing to do. It's just the cons outweigh the benefits you know if if you know i could get like an osu shirt and can you know contribute to the battle uh the the bedlam blood battle but right. you know what get some get some mazio's pizza right i'd rather not because i guarantee you i will pass out in the joint because it's happened not while i was giving blood for red cross but they've taken multiple vials of my blood before for just blood tests and i passed out and knocked out cold right there on the on the hospital bed and in the last time they took blood i even told the nurse i said hey listen i don't do needles or giving blood or anything like that i was like i need a wet washcloth to put over my face i was like i can't even look at it i was like i don't even want to know when you're doing it I was like, because I'll, I'll go dead ice cold right here. Yeah. And she was like, really? And I was like, I can see other people's blood. I can literally take a razor blade and cut myself and then drip the blood in there. But as soon as you stick me with a needle, all goes out the window. It's a weird thing. But tying that back in, the Red Cross, of all people, this is the most random thing. This is why it's Tom Fullery today. This comes from thegamer.com. The Red Cross is asking video game players to stop committing war crimes in video games. Jones, if I had a dollar for every person that I killed in Grand Theft Auto, like <laughs> running for drive-by shooting, uh, getting a hooker, and then taking the money back afterwards, um, I'd you know I'd be I'd be a multimillionaire because. I mean, I've driven on sidewalks in GTA left and right all day. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could consider that a war crime or just a very violent crime. Um, but I have not shot up a school and I've not robbed a bank. And my criminal history is clear. Um, so going back to the point where people say, oh, violent video games, screen, violent children, yada, yada. No, I've been playing <laughs> GTA. 
since I was a kid. I never stole a car. Okay. Um, so anyway, like I said, Red Cross asking players to stop committing war crimes and games. Streamers are showing gamers how they can follow the rules of war. Complete bullshit. A lot of popular <laughs> video games are rooted in players picking up controllers and fighting in virtual wars. Not only does that describe every single Call of Duty game ever made, but its Battle Royale spinoffs is quite literally called Warzone. With that in mind, you might think playing games like that without committing war crimes is impossible. However, streamers have been working with the International Committee of the Red, Cro Red Cross to pr prove it could be and should be done. Why the Red Cross? I mean, I get it that they get give blood and get blood donated and give it to whoever in the war, whatever. So random. Every day, people play games set in conflict zones right from their couch, but right now, armed conflicts are more prevalent than ever. The ICRC writes on its website, To the people suffering from their effects, this conflict's not a game. It destroys lives and leaves communities devastated. We're challenging you to play first-person shooters by the real war rules of war to show everyone that even wars have rules. Ridiculous. <laughs> At this point, you may well be asking what the exactly the rules of war are, and if it's really that hard to abide by them in game like player unknowns battle on ground in Fortnite. There are four rules streamers have been trying to follow. Don't shoot downed or unresponsive enemies. No targeting non-violent, non-playing characters. No targeting civilian buildings and use med kits on everyone. Some of those rules may be well easier to follow than others, depending on the game that you're playing. Take targeting down in enemies, for example. If playing squads in Fortnite, enemies drop to all fours as their health slowly depletes, giving teammates a chance to rescue them. According to the ICRC Rules of War, you will not be allowed to finish them off. You are also not be allowed to leave a teammate who may well be holding you back to perish should they be downed. The rules of war dictate that you heal them even if you think you stand a better chance of winning a crown without them. Not picking on non-playing characters who don't pick on you and avoiding damage to civilian buildings should be easier rules to follow. A number of streamers have already teamed up with ICRC to show it can be done, although some have been having more trouble strictly abiding by rules than others. You can check out all their efforts on the ICRC's Twitch channel with more to come. The Red Cross has more involvement with what can and can't be shown in video games than you might think. Intersloth revealed it was forced to change the color of the cross in Among Us's Med Bay. For those of you who aren't aware, Among Us is that iPhone game that you played where it's like a murder or mystery party. Um... Jones, you, I doubt you've ever played it. You don't come across a guy that just played Among Us. Uh, I have at some point, yeah. Okay. Depicting the Red Cross symbol in the game is... A, this is crazy. This is insane. Depicting the Red Cross symbol in a game is against the Geneva Convention. Hence why <laughs> many games are red with the white cross rather than the other way around. Among Us certainly wasn't the first game to unknowingly land itself in hot water that way. Jones, this is crazy. <laughs> this is, this, man, this is crazy, man. This is knucklehead, knucklehead, crazy knucklehead, like Charles Barkley shit. Why? Why does it even matter? None of these fuckers that are playing fucking Call of Duty, mo I would say 99% of them, have one, either ever even shot a firearm, two, <laughs> 
are not in shape enough to go to war, uh, or even if there was a draft possible, they would be the last people drafted. And and three don't really give a shit. I mean, listen, if I played Grand Theft Auto and want to drive over a hundred people, let me do it. That's what the game for. The game is not made for anything other than drive-by shootings and stealing cars and running people over. I'm not doing that in real life. I'm not following the rules of war in Call of Duty. (laughs) And and I'm not going to actual war unless a draft happens. And I've got about four more years of draft eligibility. Um, And then my time is up unless... Chaos happens, and then then you're off the clock. You know, yeah. Then then you're right. an un, then you're an undrafted free agent, right? Exactly. I got I'm almost 31, so I got uh, four more years of actual draft ability. Right. You're you're at the point in your career of Tim Tebow thinking he can play tight end. I'm a, yeah, I'm close to that. Yeah. So they're not going to draft me to the to the military. You know, at this point, they'll they'll use whatever military experience I have from behind the desk, which I have some. But, yeah, they're not putting me in the front lines. Definitely not. I need, like, four or five boot camps to get my ass in shape. Right? I need, I need like, right. you know, I need, I need, like, more than six weeks for sure. But not only that, you know, I'm, obviously, like I said, I, I filled out my draft card at 18 and sent it in and got the free Gillette Razor out of the deal. I've put in... <laughs> I've put in my time. If I want to play Call of Duty and shoot up a bunch of fucking people on on the game, then I can do it. I'm not following the fucking rules of war on the PlayStation. I guarantee it. Well, you know, here's the thing. Like, you know, uh, granted, I, I have not played a whole lot of GTA, but I would think there's an online version, right? Hundred uh, percent. If I follow the rules of war, that doesn't mean everyone else is going to do the same. Yeah, it's like a street fight. (laughs) The first thing I'm doing is kicking you right in the ball sack. (laughs) Is is that like a? Is there rules to war for street fights? Like thou shall not kick in the nuts. You know, like no. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting. I'm not getting ousted just because I want to be morally superior to someone in a video game. No, I'm, if, if I think you're in the civilian building in a video game, I'm bombing it. <laughs> you know? like, let's be real here. I'm not. Listen, the only person I'm upsetting is like the 14 year old that's cussing at his mom because she's telling him to shut the game off. <laughs> you know, like. Let's be real here. Like, I'm not. Nobody's. No one has been hurt in the makings of the video game, right? Like, <laughs> like I said, none of these fucking people are actually going to war. Now, there, I'm sure there are some people that um, have obviously seen combat that still play these games, but I, you know, ask the people that have been to war if they're following the wartime rules in. Those are the people you ask, and if they say no, well, then you have your answer. <laughs> I mean, what in the the words of the late great Dennis Green? 
You play to win the game. <clears throat> exactly. Whatever it takes. And it's like you're not really hurting anybody by following the rules of war in a video game. Actually, that was Herm Edwards who said you play to win the game. Yeah, yeah Dennis Green's uh, We Are Who They Thought They Are. We Are Who, we are who They Thought They Were. <laughs> exactly. And we let them off the hook. Oh. Yeah, I'm not letting anybody off the hook in a video game. No. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> and for the Red Cross of all people to lead this charge. <laughs> like, do I, do I get, like, virtual video game credits if I follow the rules of war and donate blood? Right. Do, do I get, like, a new car, a car upgrade or something? Yeah. My, uh, yeah. If, you know, if I go donate blood, are you giving me the free copy of the next Call of Duty? Do I get, like, in the game? Do I get, like, a free hooker or something? Uh, I mean, I guess your GTA, yeah. If they if they put, if they start putting hookers in, in Call of Duty, then I, I don't know. You, you know that'll be different. We'll call it, like, <laughs> ur- ur- urban warfare, and you got, you know, you got a bunch of <laughs> hookers trying to approach you. you. You're trying to go through and clear the red light district, and you got a bunch <laughs> And baby, come, you know, come up in here. <laughs> Let me get you off Harry Hines Boulevard. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Because that's why that is Tom Fuller today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, I don't play video games anymore, but I can guarantee you when I do play them, I play it like I play Red Dead Redemption. It's the wild, wild west, baby. You play to win. You're right. There are no rules. You know, if we're playing Red Dead Redemption, old Western game, and we have a shootout, listen here, I'm shooting your horse if I can, if I, if I can, yeah, I'll shoot your horse if, uh, if it means I'm going to win. Don't want to kill an animal, but if it's a video game, I'm gunning your horse down for sure. Right. 100%. Oh my gosh. Um, what, what what do you think is the the end game in all this here? Does the Red Cross like if they don't get what they want, are they going to like file lawsuits or something? What what can the Red Cross do? I don't know. They can't do anything. Um, I think it's it's just an act to stay somewhat relevant and uh, get into the news so more people decide they want to go donate blood. Not going to be me, though, Red Cross. You won't catch me. One of my rules of war is no needles. <laughs> right? No blood. We only take blood. Exactly. You guys, yeah, they're committing more of a war crime on me, taking my blood. That's <laughs> that's real blood that you're taking. I'm taking video game blood. I'm taking virtual blood. You're taking my life force, baby, and then you're giving it to the hospital who sells it for $500 a unit. Well, and you're getting and, a goddamn t-shirt. And, and folks out there, um, I hope I don't make any enemies. I don't think I have. I don't think I know anybody who works at the Red Cross. So don't get mad at me. But like, I, this might be an unpopular thing to say, but I'll be honest here. Like, if you are going to donate, uh, you know, uh, of what you have in, inside you, um, <laughs> I, I can see how this is interpreted a different direction. Uh, if you're going to make a donation, uh, I would recommend donating plasma uh, over blood. I donated plasma when I was in college, and like 
it's nice little extra spending money. You get that 50 bucks for per donation, do that, you know, two times a week. I mean, that's a whole lot better than giving blood for free. And it works out to the plasma banks are right next to the strip of where the bars are at. So you donate plasma and you go drink two beers and you're just drunk as a skunk. Right. Yeah. Nah, you know, I, I couldn't even donate plasma, to be honest. So, you know, even if I got paid for it, I still wouldn't do it. I guess my problem is that you donate this blood to the Red Cross. <laughs> and then let's say, let's say, Jones, you're like, you know, I'm feeling generous. Let me go donate however much blood to the red cross and they say okay well let's hook you up and give you a cookie and a, and a fucking shirt <laughs> and you go do that well let me say six months later you get in a fucking car wreck and you need the blood, blood. just so happens that oh man we got tyler jones blood right here we've been storing it and well damn that blood back well, you might get the blood back, but then you get the bill from the hospital, and the blood that you donated for free for a cookie and a T-shirt is going to cost you seven hundred fifty dollars a unit. Right. So they're they're yeah. So tell the Red Cross they can fuck right off with that. I'm committing war crimes, not getting any blood. Now l- let me let me end on this question: uh, the elephant in the room. Um, would you do the other type of donation? Uh, listen, no, I don't want any kids running around. <laughs> and uh, little Thomas is out there. There's not a price you'd, you that you can be bought. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'd do it. I I know I do know one of my sister's friends, or a a, a person that went to high school with my sister. Rather, he, uh, from what I understand, he was uh, uh, a uh, a patron of those <laughs> he, he routinely donated um, I don't know it's just something about it I'm like you know what no you know what? if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have kids running out there well damn it I'm gonna do it myself <laughs> you know yeah I'll be if they you know, what if, you know, I don't know. It'd be awkward because now with the, the power of 23andMe, even if you donated with no, tr- I mean, they can still find you. And imagine just one day you got a, you got a whole Mormon van full of kids coming to look for you. Right. You know, you got, you know, you got kids with about, you know. What was the, uh, the Vince Vaughn movie where all his uh, sperm donated kids find him? I, I, I don't know. I didn't know there was one. He ended up having like forty kids. Yeah, I didn't. I, I'm not surprised. I would. I would assume that. I, I'm not surprised. That's a Vince Vaughn movie. <laughs> I, that sounds like a Vince Vaughn movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did not know that was one. I know. I knew there was like the. Uh, oh. Where he marries the other firefighter. I know there's that one. There's the one where he got to see Jennifer Aniston naked. Yeah. Uh, the, is it called The Breakup? Yeah, then there's the internship, he and Owen Wilson. Uh, my favorite uh, movie of his is definitely Wedding Crashers. Yeah, that's a solid one, yeah. Wedding Crashers and probably Fred Claus. Fred Claus, that's one. Uh, 
Vince Vaughn. I'm just gonna type in. This is weird. Now I'm gonna do it. Ron incognito for a reason. No, in incognito mode. Yeah. Vince Vaughn's sperm bank. <laughs> oh, what a what a time! It's called the delivery man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, shot in Provo, Utah. Of course. No, not really. But but you wouldn't be surprised. Oh man! <laughs> Listen, I'm creating enemies. All the Mormons are like, "Screw this guy!" Because they Marvin, never the Red Cross. I mean, Vince Vaughn's probably mad at you. <laughs> Vince Vaughn, yeah, he he's Vince Vaughn's probably secretly Mormon, and he probably donates to the Red Cross. It probably donates sperm. That that or someone's gonna come out and be like, "Well, Tom hates the Red Cross. He must be a Jehovah Witness." <laughs> One of the, one of these times, someone's gonna come for me. So not, uh, maybe we need to do a, a, a Jones Report movie night where we all, uh, you know, live tweet uh, the delivery man. I was, I was, I'd much rather do that. At first, I thought you were gonna say we're gonna have to just take a Jones Report uh, field trip to the sperm bank and donate. <laughs> <laughs> Go out for lunch after. After lunch, yeah. I mean, uh, you remember what part? You of- yeah, the waitress comes and says, "What are you guys doing today?" Ah, oh, well, we just got back from the from the uh, what what county's Dallas? In? Uh, Dallas County. Oh, that's. Oh, I was hoping for more like a crazier name. What's uh? Oh, what's Fort Worth County? I can't remember. In it or something like that. Oh, Denning. Yeah. Yeah, we just go there. Well, we got back from the old uh... <laughs> Dennett County Sperm Bank. Exactly. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> Gosh. You know, like uh, you were saying you'd rather just do it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, at Parks and Recreation when, uh, when Ann comes to Chris and asks her to be her, donate his sperm to be the dad of her kid. And they end up just getting together and uh, getting back together and he moves in with her like well wh- why am i doing that why am i donating my sperm when i can just do the deed yeah i'm looking it up now i just typed in tulsa sperm banks because that's <laughs> oh god that's... now you're gonna be getting like some instagram ads or something and that'll be all right it'll be it'll make for a good laugh because i'm <laughs> looking now you you never drive by anywhere that just you know how like they're not like been, in you've plain been... sight You've been back in Oklahoma, and there's just dispensaries everywhere. Yeah. Like, you ever just drive by where there's, like, just a big old sign? That no, there's has, like, a, a church on every corner in Oklahoma. There's, they're not next to sperm banks. They're next to dispensaries. Yeah. Um, but you never see, like, a, you never drive by and see a big sign with a sperm on it, you know? I just looked it up because I'm like, well, that's a little curious. Like, what? where are they actually at? And so I looked up the Tulsa one. I guess this makes sense too. The Tulsa Fertility Center, obviously. And and for Tulsa folks listening, if you want to find the Tulsa Fertility Center to donate or to uh, or to get your donation, one one five East Fifteenth Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Get it right downtown. There's also one that looks like it's in VA. Oh, there you go. 4809 East 89th Street, Suite 100. 
right there in Broken Arrow for you folks in Broken Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's every time we do something like this. I we just literally talked about war crimes in a video game, and somehow we got on sperm banks. And and it was my fault that it went that direction too. The delivery man. <laughs> Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Now we need to have Vince Vaughn on. And and you're you're the guy that listens to uh what's what's the show with Emily? <laughs> oh, Sex with Emily. There you go, golly. Uh yeah, I haven't listened to that show in a while. Um what a twist. There's a funny backstory about that involving this show that uh, I'll just tell for another day. But we'll leave it. <laughs> Uh, so there you go. Uh, might be hard to find your local sperm bank, but they're out there if you're feeling so. Um, rather do that than donate to the Red Cross. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> on that note, we'll get out of here. Uh, big thanks to Ari Alexander for joining us, Coach Bo for stopping by as well. You, the listener, for joining us as always. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at Studio underscore Soapbox, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Jones underscore Report, Insta Thomas, you can find us there. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on in the Studio Soapbox Network as well. Uh, new episode of Let's Go Racing with a David Starr out this week with IndyCar legend Lynn St. James. She was the first woman to ever win the Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year. Highly recommend you check out that conversation on a Let's Go Racing this week. Coach Bo's got a full, extensive uh, NFL draft breakdown. Uh, you want to check out that as well. So, uh, highly recommend you guys do so. We'll get out of here from Thomas Bridges, Ari Alexander, Coach Bo, and our entire crew. I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sports. See you next week.